The Joyce Kaufman Podcast is being brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com. I want to rock. That's why I hate... Joan Jett is actually uh, coming down here to Miami. A couple of my friends said they had tickets or to Fort Lauderdale, I don't know where they'll be playing, but I said, oh, you know, I use a Joan Jett song for one of my show opens, and they said, well, we know that, and uh, I guess I'm the only one who didn't know it, because Brennan designed that, and I had to ask him, who is that? (laughs) But it is, it's Joan Jett. Reading a great piece this morning, and I couldn't agree more with Uh, Dr. Jordan Peterson, but I'll get to that in a moment. Before I get to some of the news stories that I want to cover today, and there's a bunch of them, really, somebody explained to me why in the state of California, which has the most restrictive gun laws of just about any state, I mean, maybe New York is uh, equivalent and, and, and maybe... I don't know, maybe Illinois has some serious gun laws, and I know that, uh, you know, that Pritzker's uh, also crazy when it comes to uh, gun laws, but, but why did they just have two mass shootings in California if guns are virtually illegal and it's virtually impossible to have them? Because you can't stop criminals and bad guys from getting guns, ever. Ever, they will find guns. They'll cross the border into Mexico if they got to to find guns. They'll, they'll build guns. They'll do whatever they have to. Bad guys will always get guns. The problem is that not enough good guys in California have guns. And not enough police officers want to remain police officers in California to protect the good people from the bad people. So, and, and the last, you know, two incidents in California really upset the apple cart, right? Because aren't we supposed to believe that mass shootings only happen at the hands of, uh, you know, white supremacists and racists and, I don't know, whatever, uh, you know, the Biden administration wants to point to these days. And in fact, we find out that no, these were both, both shooters in California, in Monterey, and then the uh, second shooter where, you know, this uh, another uh, series of killings took place uh this was in uh you know in in areas where you're not allowed to have a gun i mean so so how does this happen i'll tell you how it happens bad guys will always be able to get guns and if good guys can get guns the bad guys are less likely to wreak havoc in their communities I mean, this is not a a story that they want to talk about. It's amazing to me how if this had been a white supremacist, we would now be talking endlessly, nonstop, about how, you know, you you can always expect these bad, evil, you know, uh, Nazis and, and war criminals or January 6th insurrectionists to do such things, but no, it's too... Older Asian men 
So no coverage. I'm looking at aggregate websites right now. Not a story. Not a story. Instead, the stories are Oscars snubs. Uh, all of a sudden, it's no longer, are we talking about, are there enough African-Americans getting Oscar nominations? No, no, no. Now we have to applaud because uh, there's all these Asian-Americans getting uh, nominations. I don't care if you're African-American, white, Asian-American, or Mexican-American. I don't care what you are. Just be a great actor, write a great film, uh, whatever it takes to get nominated for an Oscar and cut it out. You know, I never even heard of most of the movies that are nominated. The only one I've heard of is uh, Top Gun. I saw that, and I'm going this next weekend to see Banshees of Inishirin, which I hear is outstanding. But as anybody, with the exception of my son, who is a movie fanatic and lives in Hollywood, has anyone ever, even remotely, heard of a movie that has been nominated for 11 Oscars called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once? Huh? I mean, the Banshees of Insurance got nine nominations, and those apparently are the two films that swept the Golden Globes at the uh, beginning of the month. But you know that uh, Tom Cruise's Top Gun is not going to win. You know, Elvis got nominated. It's not going to win unless there's some sympathy vote for, uh, you know, Lisa Marie's family. I don't know. I just, you know, this is going to come down to the Banshees movie, which I understand is great. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know what I think of it because I am going to see it before the Oscars actually happen. I think the Oscars are on March 12th with that moron Jimmy Kimmel as the host, but I'm going to see the movie on the 29th. So I'll let you know what I think. Now, apparently there's Avatar, The Way of Water. Now, I saw the first Avatar film, and I have no intention of seeing the second one. Just not my cup of tea, you know. Uh, you know, it, it's 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 got an underlying, you know, climatology, whatever message. So I'll just spare myself, right? You know, maybe it'll be on TV eventually and I'll watch it. But apparently, the uh, All Quiet on the Western Front is also nominated. And I'm sitting here trying to figure out, wait a minute, that's an old movie. So apparently, they have remade one of my favorite old movies, Right? Which just goes to show you that there's only one story. And it's just told over and over again in different ways. That's all. So everything, everywhere, all at once. Has anybody in the world heard of this movie? Uh, but you must be standing to your feet and giving a standing ovation because for the first time ever, an Asian-American actress has been nominated for Best Actress. Is that really like, is that, should that be a big deal or should we just uh, ha say, well, now there are lots of Asian American actors and actresses, so inevitably that would happen. Uh, then we have, apparently, <laughs> you know, Felix Kammerer, who starred in All Quiet on the Western Front, um, got a whole lot of uh, nominations in Great Britain for their, I guess they call it the BAFTA 
And this is a movie that was made in Germany, and it's not in English. So when they nominate a foreign language film for an Oscar, isn't it supposed to be in the foreign films category and not in the regular film category? I'm just asking. Because everything I thought I knew about the Oscars over the years, I don't understand. You know, I just don't. And and I'm just so sick of like, well, there's not enough for women being nominated as directors, and there's not enough, uh, you know, African Americans, and there's not enough Asian Americans, and there's not enough this, and there's not enough that. How about, w- 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 it's so frustrating, it really is. You know, I did a, a, a segment on my No Restraint podcast where I said I'm just so tired of, you know, having to fulfill quotas, n- no longer... No longer does it matter if you're the best or if the most people liked it. No, no, no. Now it has to fill some criteria. That's why we ended up with Corrine Jean-Pierre as the uh, press secretary for President Joe Biden. You know, not for nothing. Yeah, I understand. She's the first openly gay, black, uh, Haitian-American to be a press secretary. She will be the last if she doesn't get her act together. I mean, come on, guys. That's the best that we can do is to say, well, she checks all the right boxes. Therefore, she should be given this opportunity. I mean, I feel sorry for any press secretary, particularly when the presidents are, you know, hiding or not able to answer questions for whatever reasons as uh, the president right now who every day uh, reveals uh, more documents in more places where they shouldn't have been, and document some of them as old as like, I don't know, when was he in the Senate? That was like 13 years ago or something? Like how do you have documents from your Senate days that had classified information in it and you never even realized it and you never really thought about it and the archives committee or whatever they're called never noticed, really. But boy, if you're Donald Trump, you better not remove any boxes anytime, anywhere, even if they're secured and behind a locked closet door as you were instructed to, because they'll raid your house. On the other hand, if you're Joe Biden, you're so innocent, you're such a good guy that you can send out your you know, inadequate press secretary and have her tell the press, uh, we told you already, they've got them all. Well, you told me that last week and they didn't have them all. And you told that me last, uh, you know, three days ago and they didn't have them all. So, like, why would I believe you now? But, she, you know, I would feel sympathetic towards her, except that she's just so bad at her job. If I was as bad at my job as she is at her job, does anybody believe for a moment that the Hubbard Radio Company would keep me employed? Because I know better, you know. Uh, in most of our careers, and even those of us who might have been self-employed at one point or another in your career, we answer to our employer or we answer to our client base, our customers. You know, if you can't produce a product that people want to buy at an affordable price and place it in, you know, market in places where they can actually access it and buy it, you're not going to be very successful now, are you? And that's why, you know, I, I just look at these people that have been given these wonderful opportunities to be a press secretary and to just be as 
lackluster, if not downright unqualified, as we see in this most recent choice by the Biden-Harris administration. I was thinking back, actually, I wasn't thinking back. I was listening back to a couple of programs, actually two podcasts and a couple of programs that I did at the very beginning of COVID, which would also be uh, the very beginning of the Biden-Harris administration. And I kept referring to it as the Biden-Harris administration because I was thoroughly convinced that he was gonna need a great deal of assistance from his vice president, Kamala Harris, in order for this administration to get anything done at all. How wrong could I have been, right? She is a drag on this administration. She adds nothing to this administration. She babbles. Whenever she talks, it's that crazy word salad that you know most of us just shake our heads and look down at our feet and try to uh, again say to ourselves, well, but she is the first uh, black female vice president, so that's something. No, it's not something. Because what it does is it intimates or it implies that such, uh, well, that such realities have nothing to do with gifts and talents at all, at all. You know, um, I, I look back to the press secretaries over the years. There have been plenty of women. You've had Dana Perino. You've had uh, Sarah Huckabee Sanders, who's now the governor of Arkansas. You had Kelly um, you know, just really some, even even Jen Psaki, you know, the one thing you can say about Jen Psaki is she believed what she was saying, and when she couldn't say the lies anymore, she left. You know, so even Jen Psaki, over and over again, I've seen women rise to the occasion and become, uh, if not good, great. But this one, every week she gets worse. You know, she she won't take questions. She's got African American or, or Africans, not they're not African American, but the the longest sitting African uh, White House press corps member, a guy who's actually from Africa. He she won't call on him. She she doesn't like the questions he asks. What the? So what exactly is the point of having an African uh, American in that job if? She shows absolutely a preference to, I don't know who, who, who does she call on? I don't watch them because they're awful. They're dreadful. They're scary. That's how bad they are. But that's what it is, you know. So I, I'm just, I, I'm, I'm so tired of it. I'm so tired of all of the people who, who stink at their jobs, that, that keep their jobs. And then I know people who are great at their jobs and they get laid off, you know. They, they lose their jobs uh, maybe because the the stock fell in price, or maybe because uh, the boss had initially hired too many people. I'm watching Bezos trying to get rid of the Washington Post. Who? What made you think you should have bought it in the first place? Now you want to buy an NFL team? Good luck with that. You know, good luck to all of them. They're just they're just dreadful. But I I do have one thing to say. I have been extraordinarily grateful for the last week. Because nobody, not on television, not on the radio, not on my internet sites, has mentioned the names Harry and Meghan. Just, it's such a, I feel good about that. Don't forget to uh, download the app, the 850 app, so you can get all the news and hear the uh, No Restraint podcast right on your phone. 
or go to the website, 850wftl.com, so that you can check out everything that we offer at that website. And of course, also here shows that you may have missed. Let me take a quick break. I'll be right back. So all of these uh, idiots that go to the World Economic Forum in Davos, uh, you know, got to hear some of the strangest things over the last couple of days. The era of cars as the ultimate tool for personal freedom and mobility will, if the future the World Economic Forum thinks of comes to pass, will be over. Cars will be something you ask to borrow and the cloud will be taking the wheel. <laughs> the car is becoming a connected computer on wheels. Like cell phones, he said, everything around us is becoming connected intelligence. The automotive industry is becoming part of the industrial to digital transformation. Electrification, digital. And increasingly, you're seeing car makers are partnering with all these big tech companies like uh, Qualcomm and IBM. And these tech visionaries say that computerized cars will be integrated into the cloud where they can be monitored and controlled by a centralized network that can prevent collisions, alert you about road conditions, and manage traffic. We already know that car makers are being told that they should have kill switches in every new car. That's right. So that somewhere someone could be sitting and literally just shut down your car. Especially if it's not green. <laughs> you know, don't buy a car is what they told you at the World Economic Forum. Three circular economy approaches to reduce demand for critical metals. The World Economic Forum report states that the average car in the UK is driven only 4% of a given day, and therefore consumers should not buy cars, but rather borrow them. Car-sharing platforms such as GetAround and BlueSG have already seized that opportunity to offer vehicles where you pay per hour used. You know, when I was in California the last time, I guess it was uh, Thanksgiving, yeah, it was Thanksgiving. I was in San Francisco with my daughter and her, her family. And uh, it was the first time my husband had ever seen one of these, you know, they just drive themselves cars, you know, and they're just, they're really everywhere there. And they're easy to spot. They have some kind of crazy top with, you know, it looks, I would almost say it looks like a taxi cab medallion, but it's not. It's like a circular thing. And I guess it's connected to the cloud. And there in California, you can literally just, uh, you know, m down here, many people just rent like a scooter or rent um, whatever those boards are that, uh, that you stand on and they move ahead. Um, you can rent those and put them back in a place and you swipe your credit card and, you know, you don't have to own anything and you could go from one place to the other and leave the bike or the scooter or whatever, wherever you uh, happen to drop it off. And then I guess it's a business. Somebody goes around and picks them all up and returns them to these, like, depots. But, you know, can't do that with cars. I'm not doing that. I have enough trouble maintaining my car, okay? Because one really has to be cautious about their car. You have to check your your uh, gas, make sure there's gas in your car. You have to 
change your tires when they wear out. You have to change your oil. I guess if it's an electric car, I don't know. You're still going to have to do something. So I'm not borrowing some car from the cloud, not knowing if the tires are okay or if the uh, you know alignment is intact or knowing that there could be a kill switch in it and I could be tootling along I-95 and they decide to just shut me down. Bink. It, maybe it's me. Maybe I just don't trust anybody anymore. I certainly never trusted the World Economic Forum. But now they're getting crazier and crazier because you know what their their tagline is that one day you will own nothing and be happy. Like your smartphone, the car of your future is going to know a lot about you. You'd almost have to say, or at least I have to say, I can't speak for everyone, but I can speak for myself. I'm really glad that I'm as old as I am because to think of life getting progressively less free and and there be less opportunity for me as an individual and I have to, you know, just be part of this mass of humanity that just groans under the weight of what we're required to do. You know, why on earth am I paying taxes if I have no rights? You know, if slowly, day by day, more of my rights are taken away and I'm being told that they're privileges. Driving a car is a privilege now, it's not a right. Okay, well, but, but healthcare is a right, so why can't my own car be a right? You know, and, and if, if only certain groups are given advantages, like for instance, in getting a job or getting into a college or, uh, or getting an Oscar nomination, why can't I just be part of those groups? You know, why? If a seven-year-old boy can clearly state that he is really a seven-year-old girl and we are forced as a society to not only believe him but to encourage him and make it easier for him to look like what he thinks he is, uh, then why can't I be an Asian-American actress and get nominated for an Academy Award? Just asking. you know, Why can't I say that I'm moving to California and I happen to have a, uh, a, a black husband, and therefore, um, I think I should be able to move to California when they put in this new uh, you know, bill that's going to allow all the people in California who have black heritage, they'll be able to get uh, reparations, you know, even if they, you know, I don't know, I, I, am I black by, uh, by association or black by injection or black by choice? Why not? You know, if I could be a boy by choice, if I could be, you know, uh, I don't know. If I'm George Santos, I could be a congressman by choice. Don't have to really earn it. Don't have to tell the truth about who I am. I could be a drag queen and still get elected to Congress and then say, no, I never was a drag queen. Oh, okay, I dressed up in drag once. Oh, no, I was three years in and out of drag uh, shows. What the? Wake up, America. You know, the World Economic Forum and the people who, who make these kinds of choices on your behalf are evil, pure evil. Get rid of all the gadgets. Homeschool your kids. Go to your place of worship and simplify your life. Faith, family, and freedom. The World Economic Forum needs to, you know, go to Hades. Where is the Republican Party on the constitutionality of the Infrastructure Act? 
really. You know, these are Looney Tune billionaires that, you know, John Kerry told us, well, we're sitting here, we're making all these good choices. No, you're not. Proverbs 3 and 33 says the house of the wicked is cursed. Just saying. You know, they got a 666 in their logo. Just saying. Just saying. Evil, evil, evil. People trying to control others that they did not create. History has not taught them anything. What a great opportunity, though, for a car manufacturer, right? If I was a car manufacturer, if I had the ability, I'd build a gas with no a gas car with no smart system, no computers, no interconnectivity, no GPS trackers, a vehicle you'd actually have to drive, and I'd call it the Freedom Car. I bet it'd sell like hotcakes. Yeah, probably would. Okay, let, let me take a break. I'm, I'm banging my head against the proverbial wall, and I do want to get to some of these other subjects. So I'm going to quickly break, and I'll be right back. So I've been hearing a lot of people, and uh, I'm one of them. And I started this a couple of months ago, having this um, epiphany that we got really screwed by our own government and in particular by the National Institute for Health and the World Health Organization. So it wasn't just us. It was global. And I, you know, my experience was I had a physician daughter and her husband, who's also a physician, inform me in February of 2020 that I needed to be vaccinated against COVID-19 and that it would... Uh, absolutely kill me if I got it, kill my husband if he got it. And, you know, and she literally told me they were going to be burning bodies in my community. And that's a pretty scary, it's a pretty scary thing to hear coming out of someone you uh, presume loves you and is looking out for you. And then the, uh, the government started sort of implying that I really didn't have a choice about vaccination, that I needed to be vaccinated. I had hesitated. I didn't, you know, I didn't understand the vaccine in the beginning. And I said to my daughter, I don't understand. A vaccine is usually something that prevents you from getting a disease. And uh, this mRNA technology doesn't even promise to prevent you from getting the disease. So why exactly are you asking me to take it? And then it was all... Um, well, if we just wear masks and if we stay six feet apart and if we don't leave our house and if we only have these essential workers in supermarkets and drugstores, uh, then maybe we can, uh, we can beat this back before it uh, takes over the whole planet or whatever. And I did that. I complied. I, I didn't go out much. Um, I wore a mask. I was over 65. I was allowed to shop in the grocery store before the store actually opened. You know, they let old people in my neighborhood go in at six o'clock in the morning. And everybody in there was masked, and I was masked, and we wandered around, you know, these empty aisles, and the, 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 we had arrows pointing. You had to go one way so that you never, like, came face-to-face -face with another human being. And we went, we did all that, right? And I ultimately got a vaccine. I made the decision that I was going to get this vaccine, and I basically told my husband he had to get the vaccine and the first vaccine went well nothing really ha happened uh, you know i had a sore arm he had a sore arm and that was it and then 
it was a Pfizer, so we had to go back in a month to get the second vaccine. And my husband got so sick from that second vaccine that he had to go to the hospital. Now, he has some uh, comorbidities. He's got COPD, and he just simply couldn't breathe. And we panicked and took him to the hospital, which was an experience in and of itself. You know, you couldn't get in a hospital. You couldn't go with your patient. It was just a nightmare. Um, And I said at that point, okay, no more. You know, we're not doing this anymore. Um, First and foremost, all of my contemporaries, all my friends who had gotten the injections, whether it was the Johnson & Johnson, the Moderna, or the Pfizer, they were all getting COVID. And I'm like, well, wait a second. If If you have the shots and you still get COVID, like, why are we taking these shots? Like, does anybody want to stop and ask a question here? And why are we recommending them for children? We never give children shots that haven't been properly vetted through a scientific inquiry, do we? No, we don't. But it was the Biden administration, and then it was the Trudeau government in Canada, and it was the British government with Boris Johnson, all of these people who were insisting that we had to do this. And that if we didn't do it, um, if we, I loved when they said if we didn't give our grandchildren, these innocent kids who couldn't die from this for the most part if they even got it, or, but who probably wouldn't even get it, if we didn't give them vaccines, they would be killing the grandparents. Like, and then, so all of the kids ran out and didn't want to kill the grandparents, even though we weren't allowed to see them. I didn't see my grandchildren for over a year, okay? So what, you know, we did everything they told us to do. And now guess what? Now we're finding out there's some serious problems with the vaccine. Many of you know that I took a trip to Israel at the beginning of last year, and I was told by the Israeli government that I could not enter the country without a booster shot and without a test on this end, a test when I got there, and I couldn't go to a hotel or anything. I had to drive around in a bus until my test came back negative, and then I had to have a test on my way out. And all I kept saying was, you know, if this is really the end of the world, and it certainly felt like it, I want, to, I want to take my husband to Israel. I want him to see the Holy Land. And so we did that. And now all I hear are people who have uh, long COVID. I've got a friend who's got this, and you know she'd like to tell you she's uh, liberal, so she'd like to tell you that she doesn't have long COVID, but that's what she has. She's fatigued. She's, uh, you know, she's having a tough time since she had her vaccinations. She's not been well. I have another friend up in New Jersey, same story, hasn't been well since she had all of her shots and boosters and everything else. And and now I'm listening to Elon Musk, who also, like me, forced to vaccinate and boost because he's a businessman. He has to travel to different countries. He was not able to travel without these uh, you know, vaccination passports and all this other crap that they told us we were going to have to do. And now I'm hearing him talk about how sick he thought he was going to die after his booster shot. And today I read that Dr. Jordan Peterson did get the COVID-19 vaccine um, because he said he didn't have antibodies, even though uh, he had had the, the virus. And he, uh, he had COVID in May, and then the antibody levels weren't insufficient to prevent reinfection. So he went and got a vaccination. And his immune system was 
Fran, you know, just a mess. He got over a severe case of pneumonia, an incredibly grueling drug detox treatment for his benzodiazepine reliance that he got abroad. Um, at the time of his admission, that a lot of his fans and followers online were saying, maybe you shouldn't get this COVID-19 vaccine. It could have long-term health uh, risks. And he said that he got vaccinated because I naively believed the woke force mongers would leave me the hell alone thereafter. Fool me once. He was responding to a tweet from Israeli artificial intelligence researcher Eli David that said, I got COVID shots in 2021 because I believed the claimed clinical trial results and trusted the FDA. But looking at mountains of evidence since, I no longer think I made the right decision. These shots are much more dangerous and much less effective than claimed. Yeah, yeah, and people... People yelled at me when I got vaccinated. I'm talking me now, not not uh, Jordan Peterson. People gave me a hard time and said, but Joyce, you know that uh, that this isn't really properly vetted and you know it's not a vaccine. It's something else entirely. Um, and all I did was I got it. And Jordan Peterson saying the same thing today. I got it so the people would leave me alone. So my, my you know, the Israeli government would leave me alone and let me come in the country. So that my daughter and son-in-law would leave me alone. So that my son and daughter-in-law would leave me alone. And it didn't work. You still had to be tested when you were trying to leave or enter America. And I think it's the same for Canada, for him. And, and you know, they're pushing these booster shots again. And Jordan Peterson wrote on Twitter, how about over my dead body? And I couldn't agree more. They're pushing the bivalent booster shot on everybody in Canada, here in America, in Great Britain. And in Great Britain, they're saying no. And that's that. Now, if you want to wear a mask, like I have a friend who has a compromised immune system. She has uh, autoimmune disorder. Uh, if she wants to wear a mask, I totally get that, right? You know, it, it would be much harder for her to rally back from a bout of COVID or even from a flu, to be honest. She can't afford to get sick, period, right? But this idea that every year I'm going to get a COVID-19 booster? No, no. A and apparently I'm not alone. 80% of Americans have received at least one dose of COVID-19 stuff, only 16% are getting the latest boosters. Uh, one of the writers in the Wall Street Journal noted over the weekend that the public health establishment's praise for the bivalent shots shouldn't come as a surprise. Federal agencies took the unprecedented step of ordering vaccine makers to produce them and recommending them without data supporting their safety or efficacy. So she justifies the increasing reluctance of people like Peterson saying, well, three scientific problems have arisen. First, the virus is evolving much faster than the vaccines can be updated. Second, the vaccines have hardwired our immune systems to respond to the original Wuhan strain, so we churn out fewer antibodies that neutralize variants targeted by updated vaccines. And third, the antibodies rapidly wane after a few months. So there you have it. We all trusted them. I've said to my husband just the other day, we were out to dinner. I guess it was last night. And I said to my husband, there is going to be a massive class action lawsuit 
if there's a justice, if there is a God, and I know there is. Um, you know, when I walk around here in Florida, no masks, no mandates, there's freedom, there's joy. COVID's not going away. It's going to mutate indefinitely. It's, gonna, uh, it's going to um, actually increase more rapidly because of all these vaccines. And when is it sufficiently new variant to panic? How about when pharmaceutical company shares drop? Is that going to be it? Pfizer CEO Albert Borla personally earned a $50 million in compensation across 2021 and 22, and that Pfizer's revenue tripled to over $100 billion since the start of the pandemic. Moderna earned $12.2 billion in profit in 2021, mostly from the vaccine production. The company hadn't even been able to turn a profit before 2021. As for Johnson & Johnson, the sinking COVID-19 vaccine sales are hurting its revenue. What does this tell you? <coughs> I'm a great believer in follow the money. Follow the money. I'm not taking any more shots. Just in case you're wondering, I'm not taking any vaccines whatsoever. Uh, the last vaccine that I willingly put in my body was the shingles vaccine. I'm going to take my chances. How about that? I'm going to keep myself as healthy as possible. I won't be overweight. I'll exercise on a regular basis. I'll stay away from people who are sick. I'm going to do all those things, but I ain't taking any more vaccines. Not happening. Not happening. And I'm not telling you what to do, but it's really about time that you started thinking and not just doing. Don't forget at one o'clock, Dan Bongino, who, by the way, yesterday he announced that he had terrible uh, results from the vaccine. You know, I don't, I, I don't know what's going on. I didn't hear the whole show, but apparently he has been sick, really sick. And I, I look at the, you know, the, the number of people that I personally know that have not been well since this all started. And they're all vaccinated, okay? The people I know who were not vaccinated, well, a bunch of them are on a cruise today. Anyway, uh, Dan Bongino coming up at one o'clock at Four o'clock, Ben Shapiro, who's also, you know, really query about these these vaccines now. Didn't give them to his kids. I think they're expecting their fourth kid, so I know he's not going to let his pregnant wife get any of these boosters. He's not getting boosters. You know, it, it took us a while, but most of us are waking up. I hope you are waking up. At 6 o'clock, it's the WPTV local news, and then uh, Joe Pags, Lars Larson, and the morning crew will be back at 6 a.m. So just leave your dial where it is. I'll be back to wrap up today's program. Yeah, yeah, I get a little overheated. You guys have to forgive me. And then the little cough uh, enters into the <laughs> into the atmosphere. But uh, I can't apologize. You know, I've uh, got that work ethic that keeps me working regardless. And I have no regrets. Um <laughs> but I, I can't. I, I just have to read this headline out loud. My friend Pat sent it to me and said, please read this headline out loud on the show. Vice President Mike Pence discovered classified documents in his Indiana home. <laughs> uh, Vice President Mike Pence informed Congress today that he discovered documents be bearing classified markings in his Carmel, Indiana home uh, in, on January 16th from his time as vice president. Following the revelations that classified documents from President Biden's tenure as vice president were found at the Penn-Biden Center think tank in Wilmington, Delaware, 
The vice president's team conducted searches of Pence's Indiana home and the office of his political advocacy group, Advancing American Freedom. According to his team, Pence informed the National Archives on January 18th of a small number of potential classified documents found in two small boxes. Another two boxes contained copies of vice presidential papers. The National Archives then informed the FBI per standard procedure. Pence attorney Greg Jacob wrote on January 18th, Acting Director Kate Dillon McClure of the White House Liaison Division National Archives and Records Administration to inform her of the papers containing classified markings. Let me just say this. You know, the, <laughs> there, there's no question in my mind that Donald J. Trump literally leads a charmed life. You know, um, everything they've tried to do to this man ends up back, backfiring on everyone else. You know, he, Joe Biden is now up to his eyeballs in scandal with the, the documents that have been uncovered, going back to, to his Senate days, okay? Now Vice President Mike Pence says, yeah, you know, I, I have a couple of uh, documents that I had in these two small boxes as well. So now it's like, okay, so why did the FBI raid Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago house? When apparently, this is pretty SOP, standard operating procedure. I'm sure that Barack Obama, I'm sure that, uh, uh, you know, all of the, George Bush and, and all of their VPs, uh, you could probably take this all the way back to George Washington, uh, people ended up taking documents with them accidentally or even on purpose. And you know what? It hasn't cost this country any real significant problems except that, uh, you know, it, it almost destroyed a, an upcoming presidential election because you got the two candidates, the two primary candidates, Donald Trump and Joe Biden, under... Similar investigations, and now we could throw uh, Mike Pence into that. I'm sure that we'll be throwing Barack Obama into that by the end of the uh, month. Oh, you got a couple of more days in this month. And then it's going to be George Bush. <laughs> and, and, and it's just, it's just going to go on and on and on. It'd be Dick Cheney. It's going to be all of them. And then the story about Donald Trump becomes irrelevant. Absolutely irrelevant just like Russian collusion. Because now, of course, we have the same guy who investigated Donald Trump for Russian collusion was colluding with Russians. You know, don't, don't tell me that Donald Trump does not lead a charmed life and that these people who've been trying to destroy him for years always end up destroying themselves or some, somebody they wanted to protect. Gotta love it. And by the way, it's also a very good message for everyone. Don't, uh, you know, the Bible tells you, touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. I know that uh, Mike Pence is a, is a great believer. And I would whisper those words to Mike Pence if I could get close enough to him. I would say, Mike, you know, the Bible tells us to touch not my anointed, do my prophets no harm. And 
you kind of messed up. And now um, your chances of ever becoming president of the United States are zero. Okay. And the same is true. Biden is done. He's toast after this. And it's going to be very interesting when all of them have to stand there and listen to Donald Trump make his inauguration address. I thank you for your time this time. Until next time, my plan is to be back here uh, tomorrow at noon, if it be his will and he delays his coming. What lies behind us and what lies ahead of us are tiny matters compared to what lies within us. So wherever you are, be yourself. Everybody else is taken. And then may God bless you. And may God bless the United States of America. I love you guys. I'll see you tomorrow. The Joyce Kaufman Podcast has been brought to you by Code Red Roofers, South Florida's leading residential and commercial roof experts. Code Red Roofers, roofers that respond. Call 844-4-CODE-RED or visit coderedroofers.com.